Hello, y'all, and welcome to the latest episode of Where All the Ladies At, a history podcast that looks into women in history and where the fuck they went. I am your host, Kim, your friendly neighborhood history nerd, and someone who's very much all about the ladies. That could come off sounding very weird, but oh well, whatever. Take it how you want to read it. This week and this month, we are focused on women of color in history, particularly black women, because it is Black History Month in the U.S., and oftentimes women of color in general get overlooked and it's they have some pretty stellar contributions to the world you know and they deserve their spotlight too so today's episode we're talking about pamela coleman smith the much underappreciated artist of the rider weight tarot and for those that are into tarot you can also follow me on my other podcast that's available on podbean you can go over to my instagram page and follow the link to that it is all about mysticism and tarot and astrology so if you're into that check it out it's called our mystic road trip and i would really look forward to seeing you both here and there with that being said let's do a little housekeeping for this podcast and you know the drill if you would like to support the podcast so that i can create better content and more content there are ways to do that in the description box simply click on the links follow them as always if you'd like to communicate with me send me a message yell at me say hey you're pretty cool you can follow the links in my social media to my social media in the box below and of course we'll talk about a little bit more at the end of the episode again I also would really appreciate it really 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 appreciate it pretty please with cherries on top if you would rate review and share this podcast because I'd really like to grow a community and the more you rate and review the more all these podcast distributors will bump me up on the charts and the more people will find me and then we can have lovely down conversations about all these wonderful women together in a group. Uh, I think that covers everything so now we can go ahead and get started looking at the life and times of Pamela Coleman Smith. All right, y'all. So if you've listened to any of the previous podcasts, you know that I like to take a look at the world that the person lived in and then take a look at what it was like for women of that time. So for Pamela Coleman Smith, that means we're going to take a little trip to Victorian England. Woo! We've been there before, I believe, and uh, we'll be there again, I'm sure. So Pamela was born during the Victorian era, and this really was characterized, obviously, by the long reign of Queen Victoria and there was a lot of industrialization and cultural shifts and societal changes that happened during this time so we're gonna take a quick look at those so let's talk about the Industrial Revolution so England continued to have like a very extensive Industrial Revolution just like other major parts of the world in particular the United States did and this led with rapid urbanization tons of technological advancements and growth of industries like coal and steel and textiles. But this industrial revolution also brought about not only economic changes, but social changes as well. With the industrial boom, there was a very stark social and economic inequalities developing. The working class no longer were just working, they 
face harsh work conditions, long hours, and very limited rights. And the upper class, of course, were all laid back, chilling in their homes, having their tea, eating their cucumber sandwiches, and just profiting off of this industrial prosperity. That led to a lot of friction, and there were sometimes there were protests and all that, but it really changed the way that everybody kind of worked with each other. Along with this, there was a culture renaissance at the time called the Arts and Crafts Movement. And I mention this because Pamela Coleman Smith was very big in this field. It really looked to challenge the mass production and looked at more craftsmanship. And the it was really accentuated, oof, that was a hard word to say, uh, by the Pre-Raphaelite Brotherhood that really wanted to redefine artistic norms. We would be remiss without mentioning, of course, in 1888, there was the terror that ran rampant in London's East End known as Jack the Ripper, who, low down, is like, and I know this might make me sound crazy, it's like the reason I'm into like true crime and serial killers. Anyway, uh, and of course, there was a lot of unresolved murders and this really created a lot of fear. And the East End at that time was that middle class, lower class that really struggled with all the inequalities of the world. On top of this, outside of England itself, England was still trying to expand their empire and they really were looking to grab land in Africa and Asia. And they want, it was, I'm gonna say something and it could cause a lot of problems, but it was like the last ditch efforts of trying to scramble for that colonial uh, rule that they had over the world and because they still wanted to feel like they were a dominant world power and I don't necessarily know if they needed to because still they're still one of the, the world's big powers. Also with the Industrial Revolution came a lot of legal and social reforms. There, Even though there was a lot of negativity at the time and equalities, there did come some positive changes. Because of these, there were a lot of things initiated. This included new labor laws, public health measures, and educational improvements. There was movements and aesthetic movements where like they kind of wanted to emphasize uh, rejecting like perceived ugliness of the industrial society and wanted to do art for art's sake and this showed up in all forms of art decorative arts literature design of course in 1887 queen victoria celebrated her 50-year reign and this you know her reign is something that they're the english are very proud of it. it honestly they should be it was an amazing reign and she made a lot of changes during her rule and as a side note, just because I, I love him so much, one of my favorite things came into life, and that was Sherlock Holmes. In 1887, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle introduced the world to uh, Sherlock, and who would have known that it would be still going strong after so many years, right? Um, and that's kind of a look at England in the late 1800s. It was pretty complex. There was a lot of progress going industrial ways and social challenges and culture was flourishing and there was global expansion and all of these things. And these all impacted Pamela Coleman Smith in some very interesting ways. But before we jump into her story, of course, we're gonna look at what it was like for women of color in the 18, late 1800s. And for them, you know, women in general had a hard time, but when you add in all the gender issues and the heap on that racial prejudice, it really affected women of color much more than it did white women. Because women of color often had like connections to the British Empire because of colonial ties, 
because they were from places like India, the Caribbean, parts of Africa, their worldview and their place in that world was really shaped by those imperialistic endeavors. There was, of course, limited economic opportunities because of that gender and racial discrimination. Oftentimes, women of color at this time were confined to low-paying domestic jobs, things like servants or nannies for the British upper class. You know, this dual burden of racism and sexism really created an intersectionality that played a significant role in their lives, the way they ran their everyday experience. You know, first of all, you know, there was the inequality in pay and all that and the lack of opportunity, but also it extended into the arts as well because women of color at that time in the arts and media were limited. And if they were there, it was very stereotypical. The voices and stories that were told were definitely marginalized, much like they still are today, and reflect still kind of reflected that colonial mindset, which, you know, was not great not great for them at all. Like it left them pretty much, you know, out in the cold. But there were some women who stepped up and said, hey, this is not right. And so despite the challenges, there were some women of color who really engaged in the activism and resistance of all these. You know, they worked towards not only challenge the gender, but also the racial inequalities. They wanted social and political change uh, within, of course, the constraints of society. They still wanted to be parts of the society. They just wanted to be a equal part. It doesn't seem too crazy of an ask for me, but I didn't live back then, so who knows. Of course, women of color had limited education opportunities. Women in general did, but women of color was even worse, especially when it came to higher education. Getting access to quality education more often not was determined by social economic status, and because of their the racial bias towards them, they didn't have that status, so they did not have the access, or very few of them did, as we're going to learn in a little bit. The one thing that I will say like really sticks out to me is the community though despite the impact of the stereotypes about race and gender and the challenges when it came to work and education and even like immigration there's still a tight community that really look to build support and solidarity, you know, and preserve their cultures and helped each other out. So the truth is, even though they really dealt with a lot of challenges and hardships, these women of color left a lasting legacy and showed their resilience even against all the odds. And this was kind of the world that Pamela grew up in and it shaped who she was, obviously, as it should and would. And with that being said, let's jump into the life and times of Pamela Coleman-Smith. Pamela Coleman Smith is best known probably now. I think it kind of feels like she's gotten some recognition as of late, but really still not nearly enough. And she didn't really get that recognition until after she'd already passed away. Anyway, let's start with she was born in Pamlico, London in February of 1878. And she lived this kind of fascinating and very unconventional life for a woman of color at that time because it she had like access to the arts and she was involved in cultural movements and she had personal struggles, of course. But let's start with her parents. Let's just really look at her parents. Charles Edward Smith and Corinne Coleman were both immigrants into England from Jamaica. Uh, and it's, it's very interesting because her early years, Pamela's early years, were spent in this like bohemian and artistic environment. Uh, she, she had shown some talent when she was super young and her parents really nurtured it, which was something that just didn't happen back then because, you know, 
you needed to make money to live and art wasn't always as lucrative as it you know maybe people thought it should be in 1893 pamela enrolled in pratt university in brooklyn new york so that she could pursue her passion for art so she moved from england to the u.s this was a pretty formative time in her life this is where she got to experience different influences and she really got into the burgeoning arts and craft movement of the time the one we talked about in the beginning and she started to do illustrations and her illustrations were beautiful so of course they got attention and she was even allowed to contribute to a couple different literary publications at the time but she got homesick and she wanted to go home and be where you know with her family and so she returned to England and when she did she moved from just doing illustrations into the London theater scene here she really used her artistic skills to do set design and costume elevation she collaborated with a lot of different playwrights and authors including working at the Lyceum Theater and working with the legendary actor Sir Henry Irving and this combination of places on her resume basically really helped elevate her reputation even more but it wasn't until 1909 when maybe the one thing that is like the most famous aspect of Pamela's art came into being it there had been a resurgence of spirituality and spiritualism and with that came A.E. White's focus on re delivering tarot to the world. Uh, tarot was around, of course, but it really gained a lot of popularity at this time. And so Pamela was collaborating with A.E. White to create this Rider Waite tarot deck. And the Rider Waite tarot deck is kind of one of those standard tarot decks nowadays. In fact, I would say probably a good chunk of people who do tarot readings, first deck was probably the Rider tarot, Rider Waite tarot. And that's because it just was the standard for a long time. In fact, for a long time, you know, now there's so many different tarot decks but back in the day there was only a couple and it was I think be partially because and this is my opinion I think because of the very intricate artistic and use of symbolism that Pamela put into her drawings that really created these evocative and intricate designs and it really kind of created this lasting impression in fact even if it's not a Rider Waite tarot a lot of the more standard tarot decks you'll see that there's influences from her designs in all of them if you look at the full card for example a lot of them even if they don't have the same like artistic style you'll see a guy about to step off a cliff you'll see a little white dog you'll see that they're carrying like a satchel on their back like there's all these aspects that she put in her drawings that carry through to other artists inspiration this as I said was the thing she was probably best known for and in fact after the tarot deck even though it was super successful Pamela found herself really struggling financially she wanted to stay in art she could have probably moved out out of it but she continued with her artistic pursuits and began doing illustrations for books but even with all her other work she really struggled to gain the recognition and that in and of itself is very sad because she was very very talented in the 1920s she decided that she needed to move away from London and she moved to Cornwall and this is kind of where she became she came a little reclusive she had a lot of financial hardships as I said also some health issues and she really spent the last years of her life in obscurity and poverty which is very sad she lived in a small cottage in Cornwall and she just kind of wasted away there I think and on September 18th 1951 uh, she passed away in Cornwall but it her contributions to the Rider-Waite Tarot deck weren't really recognized very much at that time it wasn't until several decades later that she actually got credit for her part in this tarot deck and I think that happens a lot with artists actually where like it is until they passed away that their art 
gets any recognition, but her art and legacy have really gone under a renaissance recently, and she's developed, there's many people that now appreciate and see her artistic vision, and she's getting the credit due her that, unfortunately, she should have gotten a long time ago, but just didn't get get it, unfortunately. And that, my friends, is Pamela Coleman-Smith, an artist, a woman of color, a innovator, everything, and she lived her life the way she wanted to, and she deserves some spotlight and creativity. That being said, that was her life, but let's go into some five fascinating facts that we should know about this amazing woman. Okay, so despite the fact that she's primarily known for the tarot decks, she also had some pretty illustrious other illustrations that she worked for, including one of my favorite books of all time, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Her artistic versatility was showcased, creating illustrations for this book in 1901. It really created a different visual dimension to the vampire narrative and allowed people to be a little bit more engaged with the story. On top of that, she also did some work in folklore and fairy tales. She she worked on several volumes of fairy tales, and this allowed her to showcase her ability to really capture like the whimsy and magic inherent in those timeless tales. Also, she was a co-founder of The Green Sheep, which is a literary magazine that aimed to really showcase emerging artists and writers. So she was so devoted to making sure that artists got seen. They really this this magazine though really catered to the arts and crafts movement so and that was because that's where her commitment to the artistic community lied at that point in time also she even you know worked with wb yates on stage design she collaborated with the irish poet and worked on several of yates's plays actually including productions for the abbey theater in dublin and this really allowed her to i guess show that she was able to take that artistic envision of his poetry and create a theatrical environment. Not having to do with work or anything, but she did also spend some time in Jamaica during her childhood. This is where her parents were originally from, so there's a lot of influence from her Jamaican heritage in her themes and symbols in her work. And you can tell that this had a big cultural influence on her. And those are some facts about Pamela that we didn't cover in the bio itself, but things that I think are pretty cool and very uh, awesome, you know, something that gives a little more depth to understanding her breadth of work and now you are able to find a little bit more of her work out there I think like if you're interested check it out I'll put some links in the description box of course to books and stuff about her and her art so that you can dive deeper if you're really inspired by it. That is Pamela Coleman-Smith, the artist behind the writer Dwight Carroll and a woman of color who just knew who she was and wouldn't give in. I think that's where I got from her. That's the episode for this week, guys. A little bit, if you, of course, want to support the podcast, if you go to the description box below, there are links to my Buy Me A Coffee and Patreon, and of course the books or any links that I put in there are typically Amazon links, so that too will help support the show as always if you want to get in touch with me my social media links are in the box as well and if you want to go old school rock me on an email i'm cool with that too that's it for this week next week we're kind of covering a traditional woman of color from the african-american history and that is harriet tubman but i want i think i'm going to try to go a little deeper and maybe try to find some things maybe people don't know about her she's a pretty inspiring lady uh that's it for this week guys and don't forget if you're into men 
Myth, check out My Myth Podcast. We're covering the women of the Odyssey. Those are released on Monday. These ones are released on Thursday. Once again, if you're into tarot, check out my Instagram page at penumbra1977 and uh, click the link in the bio to find my podcast on Podbean that covers tarot, astrology, and mysticism just in general. And now I'm really done, guys. Thanks for listening. Love you guys. See ya!